Welcome to this podcast from Field Partner International. This is one of a series of interviews posted on our website and YouTube channel, where we will hear from experienced missionaries sharing stories and insights from their journeys. We are an online community and resource for Christian missionaries working across cultures. You can visit our website, fieldpartner.org, which features free video courses, blogs, podcasts, sermons, and more. Subscribe to this channel, our YouTube channel, or Facebook page to stay updated on our latest resources. Today, it's my privilege to interview Henry and Betsy. I think you'll see during the course of our conversation that we have much in common and share a very similar heart for training cross-cultural workers. So let's get into it. Henry and Betsy, thank you both so much for joining me for this interview. Can you each tell us a bit about your backgrounds, how you came to faith, and how and where you met? Okay, um, we are from South Africa, and uh, we met at university. Uh, we got married in our early 20s. Um, I come from a, well, we both come from a, a Christian background, like cultural Christian background. Um, I went to church a lot, but I never found my way. I never knew Jesus. Um, but I was a seeker. I always knew there must be something. There, there's something more. This is not it. And it was around when I was 35 that we, by chance, almost went to a little church. And uh, I found Jesus. I saw people who worship in spirit and in truth. And it just... That was it. I immediately knew I found what I was looking for. And the pastor was very clever. He quickly, he saw there were new people in the church. He gave a, a short, clear presentation of the gospel, which I actually never heard before. And um, I, I put my trust in Jesus that day. Um, so his story is, almost starts from there. So he has to carry on. Yeah, so she dragged me to this little church and... Um because uh, I love her, I went, you know, not for any other kind of reason, I think. Married how long by then? Probably about 14 years or 13 yeah, years, we had maybe. Two kids. We had two kids already and so forth. So in any case, so <laughs> I've been an agnostic up to that point, so I wasn't very enthusiastic to go to any church, but, you know, as long as it wasn't too boring there. And therefore, the first time I saw people worshipping in spirit and truth, like she said, <clears throat> but it didn't do anything for me, but it got me curious. And not long after that, I hurt my neck quite badly. And for three or four months after that, I went to all the chiropractors I could think of and physios and, you know, you name it, to try to get this thing fixed, but the pain just wouldn't go away. And being more curious than I had been before, I, I asked somebody to pray for me. And he prayed for me a very simple, short prayer, laying his hand on my neck. And it, I was healed instantly. And it was like, that blew my mind. But being as cynical as I was, I decided, no, this must be psychosomatic. He said a nice prayer, and I feel good, and now I feel better. Tomorrow the pain will be back. But then when it didn't come back for three days, I suddenly realized I cannot deny this anymore. Mm. Something supernatural happened here, and that swung me. And... After that, you know, I've been, I, I made that decision that day to, I want to serve Jesus. If he's really this, this you know, it, he exists and he is what he says. And then I started like reading the Bible and going to church and being discipled and so forth. That's amazing. Wonderful. So, um, but you were still in your day job, you were still working um, in your business. 
at that time? Yes, we had, before we went to the mission field, we had our own business for 17 years. Um, and I was a, a software developer, so we developed our own software packages that we sold to many different companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so that was my, my background was, was IT. Um, I, we, as I said, we had two kids, so um, I helped out uh, with the accounting things because I, I needed to be at home for the kids. Mm-hmm. So, um, but then you felt a call to missions. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, from when I was saved, I was I felt like there's lots of other people around that are like I used to be. And so I had a hunger for evangelism, but I had no clue what to do. So we, I got involved with a few <laughs> really pathetic attempts, you know, but uh, it didn't take the hunger away. And she said, well, I'm playing, I, um, she was playing in the I, worship team. I didn't feel uh, that strongly to anything to evangelism or so. I was... Um, I'm an introvert. I was very shy at that time, and it just sounded too much out there. Um, I did join the music team uh, at the church, and I felt that was my thing. That's that's what I I'm supposed to do. But uh, through a dream, actually, God showed me um, a vision of hell, and um, yeah, and that I just woke up and said, "I'm with you. Where do we go?" Oh, that's we right. I was, <laughs> it totally convinced me. Yeah, and so what happened to us not long after that friends of ours invited us to a Jesus form training weekend, a long weekend and part of the training, we didn't know this but part of the training was an outreach into an informal settlement in South Africa and that really rocked us to our foundations and you know we saw people coming to faith and what God is doing and it was just absolutely we got hooked, and so we, we teamed up with, um, well, we teamed up, we joined the team of two older people, um, uh, Kuni and Denise Pingo, and and they just taught us everything. They, until today, Kuni has passed away, but Denise is still like our, our spiritual mother or spiritual whatever, you know, it's, uh, and... and um, yeah, so they had a huge effect on us and they really prepared us for what lay ahead. We didn't even know that. We thought that this is it. This is what we're going to do. And um, yeah, so we really got involved with that. And then somebody told us, go and do the Perspectives on the World Christian Movement course, which is known as the Perspectives course. And um, that is an overview of missions, much like we've got on our website now, but uh, in more detail even. And that that really rocked both of us. We became aware for the first time that there are entire people groups that have never heard the gospel, that people in those groups will live their entire lives and never hear about Jesus. And that like really bugged us. And I think that set us on the road to full-time ministry among unreached people groups. And then somebody gave us the good advice of, they, they said to us, go and do the perspectives course, the world perspectives course. And that, it rocked our, our whole worldview and it changed our yeah. insight into everything, including hers. Yeah, yeah. It was it had a profound effect on how I how I see God and the world and what our roles are. Um, and from then on, we were just hungry to just God gave us a hunger to to you know to be just fully involved in His kingdom and work and. So we started praying that if he wanted to, we would go full time. 
And it was actually on a trip to Mozambique. We went with a, a, a group of people they did an outreach there, um, working in a, I think, a school or an orphanage. And at night, we showed the Jesus form there. And um, on the way back uh, on the road, we said to the Lord, if, if it's okay with him, we, we will go full time. That was the <laughs> final straw when we saw the needs there. Mm. Um, and that was it. I mean, he opened all the doors for us very quickly. Yeah, we were really, we wanted to go to an unreached people group where the gospel had not yet been proclaimed. So that was a big priority for us. And um, that's always been our passion until today is our passion that we feel, you know, that um, it's the greatest disservice to humanity that the gospel has not yet been preached to all the people groups, you know. Mm. And um, yeah, I think that's the biggest gift we can bring to the people of the world, so to speak, us as Christians. Mm -hmm. So what kind of preparation did you need to go through and how long did that take? Well, we, it was quite quick for us. From when we got saved until we left for the mission field was five years. Right. And, um, and, you know, we couldn't find any places where we could do formal training. And, um, but we did the World Perspectives course and somebody gave me these tapes that some man had made about various things like world religions. And um, because we were going to reach out to Muslims, you know, I did quite a bit of research and reading on that. And... Uh, but that was about it, you know, it, it was, wow. we, unfortunately, we didn't have all that much, but everything we could get, we just sucked it all up and learned what we could, and we were so glad we did that. Yeah. Right. You know, God was so good in that little church where we got saved, and um, that pastor was on a mission, and um, he had such a drive for discipleship. And we sometimes joked and said to him, why we should just move into his house, because we were more there at his house than at our own house, it felt like, you know. He trained us on prayer and on all these things. He was just so driven. And because we were just born again, we were just hungry for more. We just, we wanted everything. So it was our personal dis discipleship in a way that that, that ha was formed there. And then, as Indrok said, we became involved with the Jesus form. And um, it was an older couple that we met and we became instantly friends with them. And they became our mentors in a way. Mm -hmm. And we started going out with them to you know, help them mm -hmm. with the Jesus form. And then eventually we got our own equipment and they went out with us and prayed with us and helped us the first few times. And then we were on our own. But we still today with a woman and the husband died. We still feel that she's our spiritual mother. Mm -hmm. um, they taught us a lot on spiritual warfare and how to pray for mm -hmm. people who want to give their lives to the Lord and all those things. Um, it was really a hands-on training. <laughs> So your, your training was more by discipleship than actually going through any formal... Yes, yes yeah. exactly. Yeah. Wonderful way to, to get it. Um, so, but by then you were, still, you were still in South Africa or had you moved to Mozambique by then? Yeah, this all happened, she sort of rewound yes, yeah. now to before Sorry. we left for Mozambique. Um, and then, yeah, but, but when we left to Mozambique, we were basically on our own. We, we joined a mission organization, and, but we were in a quite an isolated spot in terms of many things, distance and um, culture and so forth. And uh, so we were, to, to a big extent, basically on our own, just the two of us and our two kids. And um, so we had to learn um, Portuguese, which was the, the, which is the, the, the official language of the country. 
And then we had to learn an undocumented language called Kimwani, which is, yeah, it's a tonal language and very difficult. And most of the people are almost totally uneducated. So they can't explain their own language to you. They just speak it. Mm. So that was quite a challenge, but the Lord helped us big time um, to settle there and to and to learn the language and to translate material. We didn't translate the Bible, but we translated um, lessons about the Bible into their language and so forth. Has it now been translated into Kimwani, the Bible? Yes, yeah. um, the Bible has been translated, and but what we did is we, um, we we all those lessons we had something like seventy five half an hour long lessons with questions and answers and everything adapted for that culture in their language. Mm. And we put them on these small little um, audio players with a solar panel because most people didn't have electricity. Yeah. And uh, so they were actually able to, to listen to that. And as far as I'm aware, even till today, people are still listening to those recordings. Mm. So it's basically a whole discipleship school, you could say, but taught in a way that feels familiar to them and in their own language, but culturally familiar as well as in their own language. Right. So um, how long were you doing that? And then, because um, you're not there anymore. So uh, No, we were there for 10 years and, um, and then colleagues took over from us about a two, year, two or three years before we left. Yeah, what, so what's, uh, you're, you're, you're in Southeast Asia now. Uh, what prompted that yes. move? Well, about three years or so beforehand, um, well, it, yeah. one thing prompted it is that we saw, yeah. I don't know if you want to tell this. Well, um, you know, almost from the beginning when, when we moved um, to Mozambique, where we lived, um, we saw many, many people came, missionaries came, and um, some of them stayed, but quite a few of them didn't make it. Mm. And we, we quickly saw, but there were about five things that, all of them had in common, not all five, but sometimes like if we sort of after a while realized that if people come and they have three of those five things, at least not in place, they probably would not make it. And um, it just so sad to us because it's a really, you know, they gave up everything, they, whatever they needed to do to get there. And then, I mean, there was a couple who lasted uh, three months, three months, you know, spiritful, lovely, wonderful and, people. Um, and they left almost as wrecks, you know, yeah. to a certain extent. So that started to bug us. And as I said to you, we, we, we started to identify certain things. And um, So what were the just, five things, just if you can just say them quickly? <laughs> okay, the one is that um, people did not have enough funds. Yeah. The other one was that they came without a clear calling. Okay. And the other thing is that they came without the support of a missions organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one was that they didn't think that language learning should be a priority. Okay. Up front. Up front. Ooh, what was the last one? The last one, um, oh, I just thought of it. Uh, training, was it? Or, um... Say again. Oh, training, yes. Yeah, of training. course. That's, yeah, that's why we left this for the last. Yeah, uh, they, they didn't have any cross cultural training, training, even less than we had had, you know. Yeah. Right. So that was like, oh, wow. <laughs> so if people didn't have three of those five, it was. Right. Nothing's guaranteed. We knew people who, who flourished who didn't have almost any of those five, but you know, uh, so, I mean, God can do anything. But the others that didn't make it were spiritual people. They knew the Bible. They loved the Lord. They, you know, everything. But yet, they it just all those things added up together that they 
just didn't make it longer than a year or two. Yeah, so this thing that really that broke our hearts, you know. Sorry. I was just going to say um, the whole issue of spiritual attrition. I mean, mission attrition is is just heartbreaking. For the, from the yeah. point of yes. view, all the I mean, quite apart from the damage in people's lives, it's the impact that it has on the local church who has yes. prayed for them and paid for them, and you know the long period yeah. of time they've gone through training. Some of them. Yeah. Yes. Training wouldn't necessarily, but, but if they don't have the cross-cultural aspect, they may have got the theological, but if they don't have the exactly, then they, they're not necessarily yeah. going to thrive. And you know, this is our heartbreak too. Yes. Anyway, so um, we Ross didn't meet you, and uh, I think until you you had you had to go to Singapore for some reason, and you met there, and you both discovered in each other that you had this heart in common. For training yes. and for um, so, tell us more about how you went about doing what you're doing now. Well, you know, for about five years or so, well, the Lord told us about three years before we left Mozambique that He wants us to go into training, and we were like, and we wants us to go to Asia, and we were like, really, Asia? I mean, why there? And I mean, we have no contacts, we have no nothing like that. And we had been praying for six years for him to send someone on our team to join us on our team. We were really, and nothing had happened. And we said to the Lord, you know, we don't want to challenge the Lord or anything, but we wanted to make sure, put out the fleece, so to speak. So we said, okay, Lord, you know, if this is real, send someone who will come and take our place. It will take over from us. So this is, a, we knew it was about three years before we had to leave. And within two weeks, somebody contacted us and said, and they had already been working in the same country, but among another people group. And they said to us, they want to come and they want to work with us. And we were blown away, you know, that, and they were really, really high quality people. And um, so first, I mean, we were blown away, but it was such a big confirmation for us. And not too long after, and they did come, they took about a year because they had to extricate them where they were busy in their other ministry and so on which was actually quite quick, and they already spoke the national language and, and so on. But about not long after they contacted us to say that they want to um, join us, our organization contacted us and said they're setting up training, and they want some of the people to go on a training course in Australia to, to learn whatever it's, we're going to be teaching. We're like, okay, confirmation number two, you know. And, and so we did, we went to, to on that course, and... Yeah, in 2010, we moved to Southeast Asia. And I mean, it's just amazing how God has used us. So the first five years after we were here, we did face-to-face -face training. Right. But, you know, we just noticed that, you know, we can only train so many people face-to-face. -face. And we realized, I think the change came when we went to Kenya to yeah. teach the course. Maybe you can yeah. tell about that. Um, they, uh, another organization asked us to, if we would come and train some of their people they were not from our organization but we really wanted to to help them and so um this organization they sent i think 33 of their people uh, for us to train and the hunger of those guys and the passion they have and the willingness to learn and thinking that this guy had to choose 33 because we we, we could we can't do a class for more than 33 it's it's face to face you have to mark assignments and all those things so we had to limit the class, and he, if he, I think if he, if he could, he would have sent double that, you know. And we just realized there's so many people out there 
that mm. cannot go to America or wherever our organization gives training or whatever, you know, and they just go without training. Mm. And seeing how these guys um, accepted the training and how they could apply it, even on the course and the discussions they had, it just showed us that what we're doing is not enough. You know, we have to find another way to, treat, to train more people. Yeah, we realize the limitation of face-to-face -face, uh, training, even though that's, that's you know, a really good way of doing it, is that people are limited to um, when, you know, because you have to be somewhere at some time for a certain period. Mm. And then that immediately means there's a where as well. And maybe the timing of when you're going to do that training doesn't suit them or you to change to, to suit them or the place doesn't work out or they have to come far and it's too expensive. They have to stay in a hotel and so do you. So costs are high. Mm. And coming from an IT background, I just realized, you know, this new thing, this online training um, is, is, is a way to be able to bring it and make it more accessible to people from all over the world at their own time. Right, and, so, and your focus specifically is for the newer sending countries rather than necessarily the established um, old sending countries, as they say. Well, we've, yes, but um, yes and no. Uh, our courses are designed in such a way that, that uh, people from most cultures that can understand at least a little bit of English with subtitles in their own language are able to do the courses. And we found that people from you know, Australia, New Zealand, America, and so on are enjoying our courses. Mm. But um, I think those people in general have more access to mission schools, to Bible schools, to seminaries, those kind of training. And they have the funds also to go to them. And But people from majority world countries don't always have that. And yet... They are really high quality. We're finding a lot of people, especially from the Philippines and Nigeria, and Nigeria coming doing our courses at the moment. And the, the comments we're getting are very are great. And also South Africa now, incidentally, it's not because we're from there. It just <laughs> happened that way. And um, so, yes, so that, that we, we try to design our courses um, to be as culturally non-biased as possible. Uh which yeah. is a bit, it's basically impossible, but you can get quite close, I think, um, just by, you know, not doing certain things and doing other things and so forth. And uh, so that's what we try to do. But our ideal is always not just purely online training, but also a hybrid of face-to-face -face combined with online training. So your idea is for people to use um, your content, but to run their own physical schools, is that the idea? Yes, what's been happening this year during COVID, um, we designed our courses to, to have built into them class discussions, reflection questions for individuals. So you can actually do it um, at your own pace, purely online, but much more beneficial is if there's a facilitator. Right. Can, but I think you can talk more about the facilitation. Yeah, well, yeah that was always our idea that that, that should be rather than... Uh, doing it on your own, doing it with a group, you know. Um, that didn't really happen until COVID came. <laughs> um, with COVID, um, you know, people couldn't go any, any places and some of them, it seems, uh, had time to, to invest in, in study. And so there was a guy in South Africa who saw the potential of this and he started forming groups um, 
assigning videos for people to watch at their own time and then they get together on Zoom and then he facilitated the discussions. Mm -hmm. And it exploded in such a way that we had to develop a facilitators course because there are people in the Philippines now as well um, who want to, to do it this way. And um, so we are very happy with this mm. development because we've always felt that that's the better way to do it. Right, that's amazing. Yeah. So uh, tell us, who are you? What's your, what's your name? How would people find you? We'll put the link underneath. We're called, um, yeah, Didasco Academy, www.disko.org. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just read you, but our slogan is to develop more effective kingdom workers. So both more effective and also more of them. And we do that through the online and partnering with uh, facilitators and trainers who combine you know, our material with face-to-face with, with, um, -face training. And our whole objective is to try to get our, our training to be more accessible, mm. um, you know, widely accessible you know, geographically so people can do it anywhere. Financially, we make all our courses free of charge. Right. And also linguistically, as, as we have subtitles in 20 languages, um, but we find that that has limited application and for effectiveness. It helps people who um, know some English but are not that good in English to be able to, to see their own language. Right. And um, it's also designed the software we use in such a way that um, the, the, the subtitles scroll on the side of the video and people can choose to make the video go slower or faster um, so like if, if they're not so good with English, um, it slows it down without distorting the sound. And, uh, and as it scrolls, as the subtitles scroll on the side of the video, people can actually go and click on a previous point and it'll rewind to that text that they've clicked on and start playing there again. It simplifies the matter of actually rewatching a part of the video because that's key. It's one of the big advantages. You're in a classroom, if, some, if the teacher says something and you missed it, bad luck. Unless you ask a question and you might be too embarrassed to ask a question. But on this kind of software, it's simple to rewind to the right place. Mm. Or if there's a place that you didn't understand properly, you can rewatch it quite easily. Or if you enjoy a bit, um, then you can also rewatch it again. So that's the whole idea. It's to make it really easy and useful. That's impressive. And at the same time, you also have just completed a um, PhD, is that correct, on this very subject? I'm in the process of completing it, yes. Um, hopefully uh, by the end of the year. <laughs> so the, the, that study was on this whole topic of, you know, that I said, how to make courses more accessible. What are the differences between in the classroom for different um, people from different cultures? What do they have in common? And what do they have? What do how do they differ in terms of learning? Really, not so much in terms Adult of learning as well, right? It's not yes. just a different way of learning. Exactly, and um, our learning is specifically oriented towards people who are what they call concrete relational learners. Now, mm -hmm. uh, about seventy percent of the Bible is written in a kind of a story form, which is exactly right for concrete relational people. And interesting, seventy percent of the Bible is like that. But more or less 70% they estimate um, of the world's population are concrete relational. Whereas Westerners tend to be more abstract thinkers. 
So for example, you'll describe, these are the three main points of the sermon and you explain, and maybe you'll add some anecdotes or example stories. Um, and then, you know, have your three-point sermon. Whereas, um, where most people that are, that are concrete relational will start with a story and then you explain it afterwards and then get them to think about that story, to process it and to understand it in greater depth. And we have found what, what amazed us you know, well, of course, we found that Africans and Asians tend to like this way of presentation. But what has astounded us is that uh, people from the UK and America, and they love it. So that, and they're supposed to be the abstract thinkers. So that has sort of taken us by surprise. It was a good surprise. That's great. So super. Um, you very kindly said that uh, you'd like to be partners with us at Field Partner. So how, what would you, how would you see that looking? I know we haven't talked about definites yet, but how could, what can we do to promote what you're doing? Well, um, you know, we would love to partner with you because we can't do everything ourselves. We've always realized that. And um, once we had started, we, we heard about you doing the online as well. We, I mean, we knew Ross from you know, more or less from years before, but um, we didn't know that you had also started with the whole process. And so we are really glad to be able to work together because we can't do any, everything. You know, we need other people. You cover things that we don't. You cover certain things yeah. way better than we could ever do it. You have expertise in certain context, cultural context that we yes. don't have. So we really feel that there could be an overlap. Not an overlap, but a combination of... of synergy. Uh, really. Synergy. That's mm. the word I'm looking for. Um, in, in terms definitely of resources, and then, as well as just encouragement, um, mm. sharing of uh, information, uh, you know, that could help each other. So, that's what we... Yeah, are. maybe even using each other's um, videos on one another's websites. And yeah. then having cross-references to one another. So, if you've got a course that we don't, or vice versa, mm. um, you know, they can click on our site and go to yours, and your site and go to us. That's and we'd great. actually love to expand that, you know, that we can have collaborate with as many people as possible. And we took a cue from you to realize that we absolutely had to offer everything for free. So, um, oh. Oh, okay. the sense that, um, you know, the, from every course that anybody can go to, then, you know, if it's our site or your site, it won't cost any more. There are some yeah. partners that we will also be recommending where people will have to pay and that'll be, yeah. yes. no, that's fine. They just have to yeah. decide which way they want to go. Anyway, yeah. great to share together and um, really appreciate you taking the time to talk about these things. Yeah. We're so grateful. You're more than welcome. A common <laughs> heart with you in these things. Yes. Yeah, that's great. So It's good to talk to you. Right. Okay. Well, um, so that's it for this interview. And um, thank you very much for listening. And do please go across to... And see what is on offer on both of our sites. And um, we look forward to engaging with you again. Come and look again at the next interview. Bye-bye and God bless. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Field Partner. You can watch or listen to more interviews by subscribing to this channel, our YouTube channel, or our Facebook page. For free cross-cultural mission courses, blogs, sermons, and other resources, visit our website, fieldpartner.org.